Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, where marine biology is out and getting spanked by a surfboard is in. Book number 63, The New Elizabeth. Elizabeth's ready for a change. Well, welcome, gladiators, to Sweet Valley Diaries, your favorite show about your favorite twins from a strange time in the not-so-distant past. I'm your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and I have with me one of my dearest friends, um, someone who has been on this podcast before, but it's been quite some time, the wonderful Caitlin McCann. Hello. Hello, I'm so glad to be back. It feels like it's been forever. It a lot truly has. Happened. A lot has happened in Sweet Valley as well as in the rest of the world. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. I was going to say, like, so much has happened in your life. A lot's happened in my life, in the world at large. But also, yeah, in Sweet Valley, so much stuff. And this is one of those books where there were a lot of casual drops to, you know, boat wrecks and dating catastrophes and all sorts of things that have happened recently or not so recently but yeah. since your last book for actually sure. um a lot got dropped and there were some things that like maybe I didn't like they didn't stick in my brain <laughs> and I was just like oh my gosh that's such a traumatic thing for them to just casually add yeah like some of them I know about from obviously keeping up with the podcast but then there were a few oh, that I might have missed like an episode or two and was just like <gasps> What happened here? Okay, well, if you haven't listened to the episode where Jessica gets stranded with Winston Egbert on a a deserted island, uh, then you got to listen to that one because it's pretty spectacular. Maybe not the episode. Well, no, the episode's pretty great, too. The book, though, (laughs) I mean, when you're working with material like Lost at Sea, I mean, come on. (laughs) I mean, truly, Winston has become one of my favorite characters within the Sweet Valley universe. Like, he, I have a a weird soft spot for Winston. (laughs) He's always good for a laugh. Yeah, anytime he's there. Like, the the brief amount that he showed up in this this book, I was like, yeah, hi, Winston, what's up? Right. Well, something that is happening uh, so far this season is that very little time is being spent at school by these teenagers, <laughs> or at least we're not following them. Like all of the school scenes in this book, just like all of the school scenes in the last book, took place in the cafeteria, right? Yeah. The, epi- the epicenter of, of high school, clearly. Right. Including the very beginning of the book when Jessica, Lila, and I guess it's Amy, maybe Kara, you know, Jessica's crew are hanging yeah. out of the cafeteria. And I, the, the very first thing I marked in this book was right in the second page. So I'll, I'll set, we'll set this up and then we'll talk about the title and, and the last book that you were here for. So Elizabeth has a perm, <laughs> as you may have noticed. It doesn't come yes. up much in the book, but it comes up at the very beginning. <laughs> and Elizabeth's walking past their table where Lila and Jessica have already, and Amy, have already been whispering about her. Uh, Elizabeth says, are you guys laughing at my perm again? Oh no, Liz, we all like your hair, Jessica answered, sending a glance to her friends. We think it's really cute. Amy smiled at Elizabeth, but lots of people get perms. It's not really the most daring thing in the world. Face it, Liz, Lila added. Jess is the risk taker in your family. She loves the smell of danger. 
you're happy just to write for the Oracle and go to the museum. <laughs> so I highlighted she loves the smell of danger in that book as well. <laughs> like, what a thing to identify anybody with, but nevertheless, Jessica Wakefield, she yeah. loves the smell of danger. Lila has earlier in that same passage, that same conversation before Elizabeth walks up, pointed out that... Um, uh, well, Jessica has pointed out that not everybody can be as daring and spontaneous as she is. And and Amy has said, I mean, could you imagine a world full of Jessica Wakefields? It would be utter chaos. <laughs> I can't imagine a world for, full of Jessica Wakefield. It's why I watch reality television and dating shows on a regular basis. Yes, uh, definitely. So. <laughs> Absolutely. But so this is the situation that Elizabeth finds herself in. And it is the reason why she is creating a new Elizabeth, right? Yes. The title of the book, The New Elizabeth. And I was really excited when this one was coming up because I've been waiting for an opportunity where it felt like a natural time to have you back. And your last book, all those seasons and years ago, was The New Jessica. Oh my gosh, I didn't clock the title similarity there. That's so great. Almost exactly the same. And The New Jessica... I don't know how much you remember it, but it was basically like Jessica was going through a very public makeover, much mm-hmm. more dramatic, actually, than the perm thing. Right. No. Well, in true Jessica fashion, much more dramatic. Right. Like, yeah, she dyed her hair. She tried out an accent. I remember all of this very distinctly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, well, I was thinking about it recently because in the last book, they said that uh, she she was pretending once again to be somebody else, but but secretly she was pretending to be these two different people. In fact, Daniela Fromage and Magenta Galaxy. Uh, did you pick up on some of that? My favorite random tidbits from that, like if you were to just get plopped on into this book with no context, just the idea of Magenta Galaxy and Daniel Fromage, like that bit of drama and the B plot of this book. Oh. It just, it made my day because she was so mad about being called out for something that she actively did, you know, and like has no, has no like regrets about having done either for all intents and purposes, as you see it on the page in this book, but she's mad that people are making fun of her for a choice that she like wholeheartedly made. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There is a big part of me, I mean, not to make this whole episode about book 62, but there is a big part of me that you know, wants to have twins of my own just so that I could name them Magenta Galaxy and Daniela Fromage. (laughs) I mean, I would support you in that because I'm a friend, but. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You you are the kind of friend that, you know, would know that it was a bad idea, but support me anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm an enabler. That's what I do. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe like I could get some fish or something instead. (laughs) But this is all part of uh, this. What you're talking about is part of the the uh, very strange uh, B plot of this, which is about involves Caroline Pierce of all people. But maybe we can hold off on that and focus on Elizabeth, and then we'll round, we'll yeah. circle back to this B plot. So I love that you highlighted the passage that you did because I actually highlighted the first couple of sentences of this book and left a note in my Kindle edition that was like, "Oh, good, we're starting this off with some sarcasm." <laughs> because the first line of this book is watch out everyone here comes elizabeth wakefield the trend-setting fashion queen of sweet valley high with her daring new perm lila fowler announced and uh, having gotten to know lila fairly well over 60 something books (laughs) uh i think the sarcasm is painfully evident there 
as, as is like the almost implied hair flip in some of her later conversation with Elizabeth and Jessica. Um, and it just like put me in such a good headspace for this this one. Like this whole book, I just felt like it started me off right. I also, for the life of me, could not get the courtroom scene out of, uh, from Legally Blonde out of my mind when she's talking about a perm and ammonium phycloculate and like all of this Elle Woods <laughs> level stuff. So I just felt like I was in the best mental space to receive the absolute chaos of this novel. Well, I'm sorry then that the book didn't uh, give you more perm talk. The perm doesn't really uh, factor in very much at all. In fact, uh, Elizabeth's chosen rebellion probably isn't great for her perm or her hair in general. But uh, it starts off for Liz by a, with a trip. She's supposed to go to a museum. Lila's referenced this. And as a museum lover myself, I, I was sort of offended at their yeah. insinuation that going to the museum was so boring. Uh, but she goes to, she decides to blow off the museum and she gets a bunch of magazines about like extreme sports. And then she goes to the sports <laughs> store and it's like, oh, maybe I'll try hang gliding. Maybe I'll try, I don't know, mountain climbing. And immediately finds out that everything in the store is so expensive. I, I, in the spirit of that sarcasm that it started with, I left some very sarcastic notes throughout my reading <laughs> of this. Uh, and I think at one point, the expense, like the her discussion of how expensive these extreme sports hobbies are. Yeah. Um. I left a note. I was like, trust me, when you start unironically collecting typewriters in your late 20s, Elizabeth Wakefield, that will also be an expensive hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably more more affordable for Elizabeth in uh, 1990 than it would be today, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. but that also just felt like such an instinctively Elizabeth Wakefield thing. I don't know why that came to me, but I was like, yes, this is the future I see for you. Oh, totally. Um, Absolutely. but I know we were going to talk about the cover and that perm. I just like could not stop staring on it, at the cover, because it is, in addition to being a, a perm in the full blast 80s style, she's kind of got a bit of a mullet going. Oh, yeah. I think I think that what we have is Elizabeth in a black and pink one piece bathing suit, not a wetsuit, a bathing suit, holding <laughs> just a really cool surfboard. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's yeah. purple, like like lavender with a pink stripe. Like the twelve year olds reading this book are like dying for this surfboard. Yeah, um, very unicorn club, and uh, <laughs> she's got her permed kind of curly hair. I think I think it does look like a mullet. I think it's like pulled back in a half ponytail. Okay, you're giving her a lot more credit than I was giving Elizabeth. I was like, oh, some tragic choices were made. I've never aligned myself more with Lila Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have gotten to see some other, like one other view of the perm. I think that's the last, the last view we're going to get of this perm because um, the next book is not going to have Elizabeth or Jessica on the cover, so we're not going to get a chance to glimpse at it. But it's definitely a um, gentle perm. What do they call that? Not a very a no loose idea. perm. You don't know. <laughs> okay, a loose perm sounds like a thing that I've heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we've spoiled it already, Gladiators. She takes up surfing because <laughs> because some other thing she was going to maybe do, like windsurfing or something, was it took lessons that were going to cost like $100 an hour or something. And she, there is a flyer on the window of this sports shop 
that advertises surfing lessons for $7 an hour at some place called Moon Beach. Yeah. Like, Moon Beach, first of all, just sounds like a place I would like to go to. It sounds totally really uh, lovely and charming, as do most, most things in Sweet Valley, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I love that she, in the sporting goods store, immediately does what I... I identified really strongly with Elizabeth in her in her shopping haze because she was like, of course I want the pink wetsuit. Um, naturally, how much is that, sir? Oh, and that's he- what it was, scuba diving. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I just remember scuba. And that was, it was like, you're going to have to take a lot of lessons. You're going to have to get a certification. And Elizabeth yeah. is looking for a faster change uh, in terms of proving to everybody that she's not a fuddy-duddy than all of that would require. Absolutely. And my favorite, like, weird detail is that she's also eyeballing these, like, cobalt blue flippers and I think, like, um, like scuba mouthpiece. And the guy just bluntly is like, oh, yes, those are the top of the line and those are from France. And I was just, just like, what? What sporting <laughs> goods store is this? Right, right. What? what? And there's something where he, I think it's the, like, hang glider where he says, uh, Oh, you can take, um, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this whole section now. Um, (laughs) I can sell you a nice used hang glider for about $700. (laughs) So she's like, every single piece of this is insanely expensive. I'm going to go for the $7 surf lessons. Yeah, as as you would as a teenager. And frankly, me in my 30s is also like, yeah, sounds legit. Go for the $7 surfing lesson. (laughs) I know, right? It'll be a really... (laughs) totally normal sane human being who's not weird not weird or creepy at all uh yeah and as Um, for whether her instructor is weird or creepy at all we will be getting into it let's um let's very quickly uh go over to the part of the podcast where we talk about boys oh yes Oh, oh, oh who's a beautiful boy who's a beautiful boy This is, this is the main boy, right? I mean, there's not yeah. a lot of ogling that happens of, of fellas in this book. It's an Elizabeth book. What are you going to do? <laughs> She's the one that's getting ogled, right? She's yeah. the one who's who's so beautiful and mm-hmm. can't stop staring at her. Here we have, really early on in the book, Elizabeth is entering the beach club at the Moon Beach. It's the Moon Beach Surf Club. As she stepped out of her car, Elizabeth heard the sound of laughter coming from the clubhouse. She glanced through the window and saw three boys and a pretty girl having a lively conversation. One boy, with lime green zinc oxide on his nose, was wildly waving his arms to make a point. He was tall and darkly tanned, with longish, sun-streaked blonde hair and a lean and muscular body. Elizabeth smiled at his wild gestures and opened the door. And she's the one! The boy with the zinc oxide on his nose pointed at Elizabeth and smiled. Congratulations, he continued. You win the prize. Which is quite an entrance to your the next chapter of your life, uh, oh my Elizabeth. God. Everything about that, just... This, this whole book, more so than usual in Sweet Valley, reminded me of a Disney Channel original movie. Oh, I could see that, totally. Like, everything about this plot, and I'm trying to find which movie because i can picture it so clearly that there was one about surfing um i'm not gonna be much help on this 
This is it the is... thing I learned when I went to grad school and made a bunch of friends that were five to seven years younger than me, that that is like exactly how much older I am than <laughs> you and our other friends of that arena is is uh, Disney Channel original movie years older. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I so I'm I'm also trying to figure this out because I can't remember the name of it. And there are probably listeners out there who are just like screaming being like yes it's this one it's this one remember it and i just honestly can't i just i'm i think the green zinc oxide is really kind of solidifying the sort of caricature aspect of this yes. this guy whose name is sean blake his last okay, name he has is a very blake. normal name yeah. yeah but there's something about blake that i don't know i guess it's very typical for sweet valley yeah, yeah he has a pretty normal name there is another guy named Sammy who's like his buddy, not a huge part of the story, and a girl named Lori McNeil, who I was nervous about, like, what trouble is Lori McNeil going to cause in this book? But she's not too much of a of an obstacle. This book doesn't have a lot of obstacles. No. I mean, like, they, they occur, but... Uh, the biggest obstacle is... Uh, as is inevitable when Elizabeth is involved, right, is that Steve ends up potentially having a really huge crush on her and she doesn't know what to do about it. Sean. Like, Sean. Sorry, Sean. I mean, yes. no, it's very understandable because there are, they, they named the boys Sean and Sam. And then, of course, Steve is the last boy we hear from in the book, uh, Stephen Wakefield. So, oh my gosh, very okay. reasonable that you could be confused about who's who. Francine, I need you to back off the S know, names right? for your There's for no your other boys. names? Yeah. Maybe you could have named him like Sean Kaczynski. And Blake <laughs> could have been the first name of the other guy, but whatever. Oh, no. But so, yeah, like this this handsome California tan tone surfer boy who has like longish blonde hair and his longish. green zinc oxide um, and, you know, his wild, passionate gestures about surfing. And he uses all the lingo, right? Yeah. He, he uses so much surf lingo right off the bat that Elizabeth has to tell him that she doesn't understand what he's saying. Which is impressive, honestly. Yeah. Oh, and I guess we should say <laughs> that when he points to her and says she's the one, okay, so now she's not even paying for these $7 an hour surf lessons. Now she's part of a bet that he, the next person that walks into this clubhouse, Sean is going to transform that person into a championship uh, surf competition surfer because that's what a good surf instructor he would be. Yeah, because he's so knowledgeable and believes that you know, with even just like the tiniest nugget of talent, a good teacher can turn anybody into a pro surfer who can place in the the competition happening just next month. Like yeah. that's the stakes, you know, is that um, Elizabeth wants to make this big life change. And she's got like a month to do it, but she also very foolishly creates extra obstacles for herself because she's convinced that she needs to keep all of this a surprise. Yes. It's like and a big part of her plan is that she's going to show them like her friends. Yeah. I mean, she's, she would just, it's going to be such a fun surprise. Yeah. Which ended up being so frustrating for me because I think yeah. um, anybody who who reads romances on a fairly regular basis will be very familiar with the miscommunication trope. Oh, yeah. Uh, it happens a lot in Sweet Valley, too. Oh, my God, yes. Um, so much. Because, like, every time, especially this is me and my bias as somebody who's now in their 30s, like, I just want to scream through the pages of the book, like, just sit down and talk to each other. Just, it's very just, frustrating. 
say words. It's and it's sometimes it's even more frustrating than this because in this one, like it doesn't get to the point where everything is really ruined ever. But there is a point where Elizabeth sits down and she's about to tell Enid like to confide in someone that this because what she tells everybody is she's taking these surf lessons for secretly for like an hour. It's supposed to be an hour three times a week, but oftentimes mm-hmm. is much longer than that. Plus she has to drive up to, to Moon Beach, which is far, uh, like pretty far drive. That's, that's a part of the benefit of the whole plan and why it can be a secret is that her friends won't be there. Mm-hmm. So she tells everybody, including her boyfriend, Todd, that she is doing a marine biology project for extra credit. And this really does. I mean, it's a lie that works because it feeds totally into Elizabeth, you're so boring. And the more time she spends working on it, the more they're like literally yawning at the very idea of marine biology. Like their eyes are glazing over. My favorite thing, though, is every single time that she tells the lie about it being a marine biology project, the phrase sea turtle eggs comes up she's like it's not all sea turtle eggs and seaweed you know and she says that like over and over and over again and i'm like wait a minute maybe i'm getting boring but like i would go hang out for some sea turtle eggs like that sounds cool i know they should have they should have made it about like kelp and i don't know like crab shells or something i I don't know something boring something yeah something that didn't sound like adorable turtles hatching and running to the sand for the first time like what monsters are you teens of sweet valley high that you think that's i mean some of them were fairly interested in marine biology just a few whatever however long ago it was in sweet valley when they were on their (laughs) extra credit trip although i guess most of those people were there against their will but um... (laughs) which sounds like jail it does sound like jail (laughs) well it was extra credit for science class so that's kind of like jail Especially when you're failing and, like, you need the extra credit to pass the class. Fair enough. And, I mean, in comparison to, like, Jessica and Winston getting stranded somewhere, suddenly sea turtle eggs might sound kind of boring. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised it doesn't come up more often. (laughs) So let's just set the scene here. Like, what's happening is that Elizabeth is, you know, constantly having after-school to go to these surf lessons. You mentioned that she had about a month. One of the harder buy-ins for me of this book is how quickly Elizabeth (laughs) learns to surf. I mean, and to the book's credit, Sean does say over and over again, like, wow, you're learning so fast. You're such a natural. But she goes from, like, being afraid to try it and doing dumb things and not knowing any lingo, not understanding how anything works to standing up on a wave in, like, one lesson. Well, the other thing, too, that just absolutely tickled me about uh, Sean's perspective was that she tells him, like, oh, I, you know, he asks, like, the logical question of, do you know how to swim? She's like, yeah, I've been swimming laps in my family's pool. And he's like, oh, yeah, that'll help you. Like, that'll be the same thing. And I'm like, no, anybody who's ever been in both a pool and or the ocean knows that they're very different and that, like, there's some different skills involved. I know, right? I mean, do you remember when we went to San Diego that one time and Russ's dad was, like, 
trying to teach people how to go like body surfing. <laughs> and I don't know I, if I was actually there for that trip, but I heard about it for really? years I after the fact. I thought you were there. I don't know why. Okay, well, that is a thing that happened. And I remember just really, like, I grew up on Lake Michigan. And Lake Michigan has waves, but they're not like the ocean. And I find the power of the ocean and its waves extremely like undeniable right like i have been knocked on my ass and injured mm-hmm. when i'm not even doing anything let yeah. alone surfing you know because of how powerful it is and on on that trip there was a time when i got sort of like turned over by a wave and like lost my breath and it was freaky and I, again i was not really doing anything <laughs> like hard yeah. and i and i'm also a very strong swimmer so that was where my head went right away it was like this is dangerous i i i wanted to learn how to surf when I first moved out here, but I guess I am such an Elizabeth that I <laughs> was with her on like, this seems dangerous, but whatever, you know, it's cool. She's giving it a try, but she is definitely going out there and like really going for it way too fast. Well, I also just thought like as somebody who identifies as a perfectionist, um, which I think is like one of the key things that makes me an Elizabeth over at Jessica, as we've established mm, uh, nice. in the past that like, she just so naturally picks this up, which I, I think is like the biggest perfectionist trap, right? Like we're all, if you are that person, if you are an overachieving, overachieving perfectionist, you are the type of person who's like, if I can't pick this hobby up in a couple of tries, like I'm, I'm just not naturally good at it. I got to drop it. I can't like, <laughs> like, right. I, feel, I feel like that is a very natural trap that a lot of uh, folks like myself and Elizabeth Wakefield fall into. And so of course in this space, Elizabeth is like, yep. Totally fine. I've I've progressed so much in just like three lessons. Um, I think I could hang ten after like six lessons. And also the way gladiators the reason the way that they talk about hanging ten is like the pinnacle of surfing moves. Just yeah. made my day. <laughs> they describe it both with a lot of specificity, but what the move means without conveying any. Of the like <laughs> excitement of what it might be to see it happen, like it yeah. doesn't sound all that great to see. It sounds really no. hard to do. Um, I guess we learned I, there have been past books in the series where it seemed like whoever wrote it didn't actually know anything about surfing or <laughs> whatever sport in question. This it seemed like maybe there was some knowledge and that so hanging 10 it's like you put your toes on the edge of the board and kind of like wrap them around and you know, so you have to get all the way up to the front we did you know what hanging 10 was before reading this book no but i could visualize it really clearly based on the description however i when i was picturing it i did a uh, visually anchoring myself on like people's toes hanging over the board (laughs) like for some reason instead of like you're saying like it wasn't the sensation of being on the edge of this board and feeling like on the edge of this powerful wave it was like all i could think about were toes and i was like this isn't as exciting as i think it could be because i'm just thinking about toes (laughs) i mean i'm sure it's not silly but yeah the way the book describes it it seems sort of doofy like i don't know i'm gonna put my toes over the edge (laughs) like I don't know. I'm sorry, surfers. I don't actually mean that I think it's doofy in any way, but... I mean, I can't do it. I have to give everybody full credit. Who could who could hang 10? Oh my gosh, it sounds impossible. Because how are you balanced on that board if you're... He's told her also that you can't let the 
the nose of the board like dip under the water because it'll flip up over you and hit you in the head or in yeah. the butt. Oh, the and, kink! Uh, the kink in that scene. I want to talk about it right. when we get there. But Let's, like... We got to talk about Sean, okay? We have to because <laughs> here's the thing: Sean might be a good surfing teacher. And he did say, like, he could teach whoever walks in. But the fact that it's Elizabeth is uh, just, a, like, definitely bonus uh, for Sean because she's, like, beautiful, you know, blonde girl, stranger, new girl. Mm-hmm. Lori McNeil uh, is heartbroken as soon as Elizabeth walks in because she's like, this girl is so pretty. She and Sean are going to get together because they're going to spend so much time together. I'm never going to get with Sean, even though we just had our first date and I've always been in love with him, blah, blah, blah. The, she has a reason. It seems like maybe a bit of an extreme reaction, but clearly she has a reason to be concerned because Sean is such a flirt from oh, yeah. the very beginning. Like, here's something from page 28. This is like the first lesson. So Elizabeth is trying to put tanning oil on and he tells her not to. Um, You should never use tanning oil when you're surfing, he continued. If you do, I guarantee your board will be as slick as a greased frying pan. You won't be able to stand up for a second. But I don't want to burn in the sun, Elizabeth said. Very responsible, Elizabeth. You gotta have that SPF. Even though what she was putting on was suntan oil, which is not, whatever, I guess that's not as responsible. She didn't say anything about SPF. Anyway, Sean <laughs> removed a plastic tube from his bag. Here's some special tanning cream. It's not greasy and won't make you slip and wipe out. Want me to spread some on your back? No thanks, Elizabeth said. I can do it. Are you sure? Sean asked, lifting his eyebrows suggestively. I wouldn't mind. I think I can handle it myself, Elizabeth said. What a flirt, she thought. Here's the thing, though. The entire time, I am hardcore rooting for Sean. <laughs> like, Todd is awful. I, I become increasingly not a fan Oh of my Todd. gosh. He is pretty annoying in this book. Although, Elizabeth... Like, he, if he's worried about Elizabeth and Sean, he has some reason to be. <laughs> we'll give no, Todd Which that. is fair. Which is fair, because I... Like, Sean, as we've established with that scene, and I think that is probably, to be fair, readers, one of Sean's tamer scenes with Elizabeth. Yeah. He's really going for it. Like, and Elizabeth repeatedly is like, oh, well, he's dating that girl, Lori McNeil, so he must not really want anything with me. So it's not that just must be how he is. He's just yeah. naturally a flirt, I guess. And she doesn't, for the longest time, she doesn't tell him she has a boyfriend. Like, nope. Which, to me, I'm like, hun, if you're not communicating that, you know, like, maybe you're a little interested. And it's okay. He's got the green zinc oxide nose. How can you resist that? How are you (laughs) supposed to resist that? You know, like, but honestly, so some of the other gestures that Sean, you know, he, he offers to buy her, like, a soda after... The, their one of their lessons because he just like he just says I just want to keep talking I just want to spend time with you like he's actually in invested in in Elizabeth a little bit more than Todd pre- presumes to be in this book he also uh, in a peak white boy privilege moment takes her to his house where he shows her his extensive extensive and expensive collection of surfboards including like very rare surfboards that he later allows Elizabeth to potentially surf on. 
because he cares about her so much. Uh, There's also a very dramatic scene towards the end of the book where Elizabeth uh, gets a little cocky and goes out in like choppier water. uh, And Sean goes and actually like saves her when she gets caught in a riptide and gets like cracked on the head by her surfboard. And she wakes up to mouth to mouth from Sean and is immediately like throws her body at him truly like crying and grateful just to be alive like she's having a very emotional reaction but like there's so much there's so much more chemistry and tension Mm -hmm. between sean and elizabeth in this book than there is between elizabeth and todd (laughs) once she's okay like once he's sure she's okay he kisses her on the nose yeah it's just like it was it was quite forward and at this point elizabeth has already told him about todd well it's Mm -hmm. just kind of it is interesting how it plays out there's a scene the scene though that got us into this whole conversation happens before the big wipeout which is when uh her board uh like slips out and um uh it hits her on the ass (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so earlier on, she has tried to hang 10 for the first time. Um, she's only been surfing for like six days or something. Liz, I surfed for a whole summer before I even thought about hanging 10. You're really an adventurous girl. Just what she wants to hear. You think so? She wondered out loud. I do now, Sean said, spreading some sun cream on his muscular shoulders. But when I first saw you, I had you pegged as just another good-looking scaredy cat. So when she reveals that, like, I guess she's not a scaredy cat after all, he says, I guess that means you're just good-looking. Elizabeth wished Sean wouldn't spend so much of the lesson flirting with her, but now that she knew he was going out with Lori, at least she could tell he wasn't being serious. I guess I screwed up that ride, didn't I? Elizabeth said, anxious to change the subject. But you were punished for it, Sean responded, sending Elizabeth this teasing smirk. What do you mean? Elizabeth asked, already feeling the blush creeping up her neck. I noticed that the surfboard gave you a pretty good spanking, Sean chuckled. Elizabeth felt her cheeks burning. You're okay, aren't you? Sean asked, peering around Elizabeth. Just a bruised ego, Elizabeth interjected, turning quickly toward the waves again before Sean could notice how red she was. (laughs) Like, okay, so I'm prone to reading into things like this because one of the things that I studied when I was at UCLA uh, was, like, depictions of kink in media. Mm -hmm. And so this one is pretty straightforward with the reference of punishing and spanking. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But there was, like, I was on the edge of my seat where I was like, are we having a discussion about kink? In Sweet Valley. Through that lens, I mean, we see Elizabeth, like, getting red, and she's, like, feeling flushed. It's very, like, she she's too nervous to even talk about it. And she talks about later when she goes into the water, like, oh, and her, like, her butt is a little sore, and, like, how she has to, like, persevere through it anyway, and it was, like, worth it to get spanked by, <laughs> to learn this thing. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like little baby dom situation this is why you're rooting for sean because when she and todd finally get some romantic time together all they do is like stare at the ocean and kiss and we don't get it described very well but here is a non-romantic scene between her and sean where there's this element of of like flirtatious uh like lust happening yeah like i yeah i just i think i think i was so disappointed that the plot was clearly aiming towards getting Sean and Lori 
together because I was like, no, this is this is your moment, Elizabeth Wakefield. You want to be really not boring? You dump Todd. You dump Todd right now. <laughs> I guess I guess my feeling about Sean was that like there was nothing wrong with him flirting with her and like they were having a report. Like it's fine. He was going for it. Whatever. I felt bad for Lori. I think maybe I identified with Lori as someone who has definitely been in a situation like that where you're not sure where you stand with somebody um, that you're friends with. And then it seems like something's going one way and it doesn't actually happen that way. So I I felt for Lori. And then the thing (laughs) is that Todd, as much as he's being a bit of a bitch, like he he is being lied to and it's very flimsy. And it's like you would rather spend time doing a needless uh, extra credit experiment than like she's late for plans. She's canceling plans with him. Like she's not being a great anything to Todd. But yeah. the, when I say that he's being a bitch, this is what I'm talking about. So <laughs> after the, her wipeout, where she nearly drowns right. and she gets a, like a bunch of things go wrong, she gets mouth to mouth. So something goes right, I guess. <laughs> but um, Sean has repeatedly offered to like take Elizabeth someplace, and sometimes she's even taken him up on it, um, which I think supports your theory that maybe she might be a little interested. Mm-hmm. But finally, he's like, "You don't want to take the bus home after your near death experience. Like, let me drop you off." And yeah. she has to go home because she has a date with Todd that night. Yeah. But when she gets home, she sees that Todd's car is already in the driveway. And so she's like, tells Sean to stop at a different street. And she's like, shit, shit, shit. You know, is he going to have seen me? Because then, like, if either I'm going to have to tell him the truth or I'm going to have to allow him to have the wrong idea about where I've been. Because she hasn't mentioned anything to Todd about there being any other human beings well, <laughs> involved in this this uh, project. She's still stuck on the idea of keeping this a secret, and boy, boy, howdy, isn't Todd going to be impressed with me when he knows I'm a real surfer girl? Like, meanwhile, you're letting tan, ab-tastic Steve, <laughs> or not Steve, Sean, Sean, I can't keep them straight, but like, <laughs> drive you home after he nose boops you with a kiss essentially and yeah yeah like, and this your is, life this is the scene i'm about to read comes after a scene earlier on in the book when it's raining so elizabeth's lesson is canceled so she invites todd over to play scrabble <laughs> and todd gets annoyed at her because she's like not there she's yeah. like we all he's like we already don't aren't spending this time quality time together now you're not paying attention to anything I'm saying, or you're like, or you're not present while we're playing Scrabble. You know? She's so anyway. thinking about surfing because she's thinking she, about surfing the entire time. She is, and it's not. Ju- it's it's just surfing. Clearly not. It's really so Elizabeth to get yeah. this obsessive and invested in whatever it is that she's doing, even if it's the thing that she's doing to try to be fun and spontaneous. But okay, so here's this scene after. She's made Sean drop her off at the house around the way. Todd was waiting for her in the hallway with his arms crossed. Elizabeth was still pretty shaken up after the accident, and even just the sight of Todd's familiar dark brown eyes and tall, lean figure made her want to fall into his arms and feel safe again. Hi, Todd, she said, giving him a kiss on the cheek. Hello, Elizabeth, he responded coolly. Sorry I'm late, but things got busy up at Moon Beach, Elizabeth said, blushing a little. Sorry. 
the the uh, her choice of words just occurred to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you that I have an extra credit project I have to work on tonight, so I can't take you to dinner, Todd said flatly. You're doing schoolwork on a Saturday night, Elizabeth cried. It came up suddenly, so maybe I'll see you in school on Monday or something. Todd turned and opened the front door. Todd, wait, cried Elizabeth, reaching out for his arm. I'll see you later, Liz, Todd said, and then he slammed the door behind him. Elizabeth stared at the door for a moment, stunned, and then she burst into tears and ran up the stairs to her room. She shut the door behind her and buried her face in her pillow. She knew that Todd had seen Sean's car, and then he'd made up the story about some extra credit project just to get out of dinner. Everything seemed to be going wrong. Not only had she almost drowned, but she had probably led Sean on by hugging him that afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. And now Todd had just broken their date and slammed the door in her face. I wish I'd never tried to change it all, Elizabeth thought as she wiped her tears away with a tissue. It's just not worth it. But she, like, doesn't feel that way for even a second longer in the book. So that's just, that's as long as that lasts. This entire, like, Todd Elizabeth miscommunication melodrama, the entire, like, which takes up a significant chunk of the book. Because, like, one of the other, like, low-grade obstacles is just this continued lie of omission to Todd. Um and the entire time, I'm like, just break up. Please, just break up. The pair of you are just clearly awful at this. Just please. Caitlin and I are, like, at opposite ends of this, of the book. Like, reading the book at the same time, Caitlin's like, just break up. Just break up. And I'm like, Liz, just tell them the truth. You can't lose Todd. I mean, I listen, I'm not as sold on Todd as I once was. But it's very frustrating. It's just like, Liz, like, you guys just figure this thing out. Like, come on, man. Like, I'm over what's the Todd. point? I know, I've, I get it. I, it's, fair. it's a fair point. It's a fair so I, I like, feel. Truly, truly was rooting for Sean, even though I keep forgetting that his name is Sean and not Steve. I was rooting I guess for Sean. I'm not really... I do find him, like, an attractive option or whatever, but there was something about his... I, I think it's just, like, the day and age that we're in, that there was something about his persistence, which gets clocked in the book as, like... Even after she told him about Todd. I mean, there's even a line. Um, uh, let me see if I marked it. I think I did. The truth was, Elizabeth couldn't quite figure out how to deal with Sean's feelings for her. He knew she had a boyfriend, but that didn't seem to make much of a difference to him. Was he ever going to give up, she wondered. And that's the end of chapter nine. And it's just like... Which is a fair know. call out. Like, everybody's... I mean, most people have been there where you're like, uh, hi, no means No. It's that thing that we're, like, grappling with now, where it's just like, you know, is it romantic to stand outside somebody's window with the boombox when they've told you flat out not to? Like, there's a big part of me that's like, yeah, that's fucking romantic. But it's, like, unless it's not, unless it's you're a stalker. Well, and so, but that's the thing is, for me, I felt like I was picking up so many clues from Elizabeth that she was just kind of, like, kind of done with That's Todd, true. even if she's not going to admit it in this book. But also, you mentioned, okay, so you mentioned Lori and, like, really identifying and feeling for Lori. I had a whole other crack ship for Lori during this this book that is Ooh, entirely tell. entirely because I'm a reader reading this in 2022 and it has nothing to do with how it was written in its original day and age. Um, so we find out, uh, as part of this whole surfing story... That Lori, after clocking Elizabeth as a threat to her 
hopes and dreams on Sean Blake, the sexy surfer boy, uh, <laughs> that she is going to teach herself how to surf and that she's going to beat Elizabeth Wakefield at this competition. And right. so we get some rare moments of her point of view throughout the book that I thought were really interesting. And one of the things that she does is go up to Crescent Beach, just a little ways away from Moon Beach, and <laughs> basically finds a group of surfer girlies to hang out with who give her pro tips on being a surfer girl. And I thought it was really cool that it was a bunch of girls who taught her how to surf. Yeah. I love that tiny detail. It was like literally one sentence, but in that one sentence, I boarded a ship. I boarded a <laughs> ship in which Lori has explored her sexuality further and decides that she's really not into <laughs> Sean. Yeah. And that she wants to have a romantic partnership with one of these amazing, encouraging surfer girls like I wanted that for Lori more than I wanted Sean Blake for Lori and, and, and in, a, in a true I think weird crack ship way they're such minor characters both Lori and these like unnamed surfer girls unnamed, I wanted yeah. that for Lori so much more passionately because in in her own way I feel like Elizabeth Wakefield deserves a, a, a Sean Blake you know, like uh, more more than like this poor like she needs a fling. Elizabeth needs a random fling to be different. Well, that's what I was gonna say back when. Like, I don't know if I felt like Elizabeth was giving signs that she wanted to break up with Todd, but clearly there were some signs that she was interested in Sean. The mm -hmm. biggest one being like her reluctance to tell him that she had a boyfriend. You know, and she's yeah. been there before. But I think that I don't know. I think that Sean is clearly a lot more into Elizabeth than he's into Lori. Mm -hmm. And it does feel sort of sad for Lori that she is so dead set on, like, con like finding out a way for Sean to see her. Yes. Like, Which and was that's sad. Gonna be, yeah, it's like, is that the guy you want? The guy who heartbreaking. doesn't see you until you can surf? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I wouldn't want that for, for my friends or for me, but... Also, um, oh, to the point about Elizabeth maybe being a little into Sean. Like, at one point during their surfing lessons, they're going to ride the same wave. And she, like, looks back. And he's like, don't look back. Don't look back at me. you got to focus. Oh, my and she God. she does it again. And he winks at her. And she falls off her fucking board. And he's Don't tell like, me that that's not in a rom-com. Don't oh tell me God. that's not a scene he's in a rom-com. like, I told you not to look at me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... That's, like, the sexiest moment of the whole book, frankly, now that you mention it. Right? I and told you like, not to look at me. He, see, again, he's, he's like, a, he's, he hasn't discovered it yet, but he's, he's a dom in the making, and like, he's having... <laughs> I didn't he's even having, put it together, but of course, of course. <laughs> oh, I, my god! I'm all about, like, at this, this reading, I really went places with my reading experience. I, like, went on my own You know what? Journeys. It's been 63 books, and it's about time somebody brought the uh, BDSM perspective to <laughs> the books, you know? <laughs> We've been to Miller's Point enough times without seeing what happens. Let's yeah. make some shit up. Oh, oh, while we're on some level of BDSM, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about the degradation and humiliation of Miss Caroline <gasps> Pierce. Oh, what a segue. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's not necessarily sexual in nature for those. I don't mean to imply that. I but like don't there's think definitely it is at all, but like 
There's some dominance components in that Jessica Wakefield, the B-plot of this book, is that um, Caroline has gone back to her gossiping ways yeah. and has like let trigger it trigger warning for, like, intense bullying of between yeah. bitchy girls and the, oh the like, let lower on the totem pole girls. Yeah. Anyway, well, so, like, Caroline has let it slip. She's gone back to her gossiping ways. Uh, this mm-hmm. whole drama that we referenced early earlier of Jessica having some fake yeah. dating sites Last books yeah Secret. um and she you know jessica is horribly embarrassed because people are joking at her expense and calling her magenta galaxy in the hallway um and she decides she has to get revenge on caroline pierce uh jessica then finds out that caroline recently dinged her father's or her family car and has to take a job at the unique boutique to like a new store at the sweet valley mall yeah yeah to like to pay back and so she decides with lila and amy's help that she's gonna go in there and be the customer from hell every single time caroline has a shift and Um, they she brings lila and amy with her to spend money on things like to buy things so that they don't get kicked out of the store for not being customers yeah. but Jessica's not going to spend any money on Ed, Ed Caroline's job because that would be helping Caroline I, I, it, the logic of it is a little bit screwy but there is a, a line uh, fairly deep into this plot um, are you ready for your crash course in boutique terrorism Jessica boutique asks. terrorism Oh my god, I forgot about that line. I also highlighted that. I was like, what phrase? Yeah. What? What? Well, we have a name for what Jessica is doing to Caroline um, nowadays, which is that she's she's being a real Karen. Yeah. You know? Oh my god, yes! There's no, like, racial element here, which I think is often at play with a Karen, but the thing of um, just being an entitled bossy bitch, you know... And she's doing it on purpose. She's, like, wielding that power. And Mm -hmm. she knows that Caroline's manager will yell at her if she's not helped, which the manager does. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they come in and basically, like, unfold all of Caroline's sweaters. And, oh, my God, at one point, Jessica spills soda on Caroline's shirt. Yeah. And the boss not only criticizes Caroline for not being kind to a customer, but then is like, how, why are you wearing a shirt with a stain on it? Yeah. It's just... Le- legitimately, I have I have had my moments with Jessica, both good and bad, throughout the series, but I don't think I... I think this tops, like, some of my most hated Jessica Wakefield moments, because I, I think this word sometimes gets overused today, but it was, like, truly triggering to anybody who has ever worked customer service or mm-hmm. retail, like you have had these nightmare customers. Right. You and have... you like start to wonder, like, are they fucking with me? Yeah. And in this case, they are literally fucking with her. I mean, not literally, but they are fucking with her. Yeah. You know, that would literally would be more like your initial proposal. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but, but there's like, there's a whole buildup of this intensity to humiliate and degrade Caroline for Caroline for working at a retail store. So it's like there's classism, there's privilege, mm. there's revenge, but it's it's just it left such a sour taste in my mouth because it was just like you you privileged little wretch who has never had to work a day in your life for anything and like how dare you go in and completely fuck up this poor 
girl's retail life. And bring your, like, rope your wealthier friends into it, too, uh, <laughs> so that they can buy things. Because uh, you won't justify your to being spend money. There. Yeah. I mean, that's half the fun of it, I think, for Jessica, is involving her friends in this uh, kind of ritual torture of Caroline. Caroline does get hers, though. I mean, oh, there's yeah. a moment fairly early on in this plot when Lila or Amy, I think it's Amy, is like, it's after the, the drink spilling thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, says to Jessica, like, I think you might have uh, gone just about as far as you can go. Like, let's just say if somebody did that to me, I would not take it lying down. And instead, no. Jessica just continues to escalate. They bring uh, shopping bags full of, like, dirty laundry and stuff, like, just so it looks like they've been big shopping. And then yeah. they, ha- they have uh, Caroline... Like, the manager makes Caroline bring their purchases to the car in a rainstorm so that Caroline gets all wet. In the rain! Dirty laundry! In the rain! I just, I, oh, I was so livid with Jessica. And I've not, like, I didn't think, if you told me at the start of the scenario that I was going to be backing Caroline Pierce 100%, I would have thought you were nuts. We never do find out how Caroline found out about Magenta Galaxy and Danielle Fromage. No. Do we? Like, we have no idea how she knows this. No. It's just implied that, like, Caroline's back to her gossiping ways, and, like, this is the whole problem for Caroline, is that she can't keep her ma- her mouth shut. Yeah. But um, this time, the gossip is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and every all the gossip Caroline has in this book is true. And legitimately, and Elizabeth even says that to Jessica at one point. She's like, you can't get mad at her for this. You did that thing. That's not gossip. It's facts. And so it was like, very fake news too, where she's like, "No, no, this isn't. This is like you. You did those things, Jessica. Mm-hmm. You can't get mad at her for telling people that you did them." <laughs> you know what really would have been a much cooler move on Jessica's part would have been, I mean, anything, but it would have <laughs> been to just own it and be like, "Yeah, I was three people. Like, I've got all these personas. You know, yeah. like she was so proud of it while she was doing it." Yeah, um, but Caroline I, does get her does get hers uh, in the end, does she not? It's it's beautiful vengeance. I was so proud of her. She uh, totally flips the script on Jessica Wakefield, and Jessica comes in ready to just browse. And Caroline is so again. I'm leaning into this for the for the hell of it, but she's like so submissive, and it's like, yes, Miss, how may I help you? And what other what other things can I help you with? And like, and Jessica clocks that, but she's yeah. just like, okay, well, all right. So, and then uh, you're like, oh, let me, let me pull some more clothes for you, ma'am. I will bring you more things. So Caroline comes in while Jessica is changing and swoops up all the clothes off the floor. Because again, Jessica Wakefield is the kind of bitch that instead of putting things back on a hanger, (laughs) throws it on the floor in a cut in a in retail. I'm still hard stuck on this, but Caroline comes in and like completely just grabs all the things and is like oh let me take these for you i'll be right back and then jessica's left like in her underwear in the store and And caroline has taken her clothes as well yeah which which is why to really tie this up in a bow uh caroline pierce is a switch she she is both dominant and submissive and can play it both ways absolutely absolutely (laughs) But she doesn't stick around to watch Jessica's humiliation. Instead, she, uh, like, rage quits her job and walks out with 
uh, Jessica's clothes. So Jessica's clothes are essentially stolen, I guess. Yeah. I would have liked a closing scene where Jessica opens her locker and the clothes <gasps> are like neatly folded inside. Wouldn't that have been great? Oh my God, that would have been so good. Mm, that would be I like, a, again, when I, I felt this book so clearly as a teen drama. Like, yeah. you know, just I, obviously that's what they all are. But, but like sometimes this... they feel more like movies. And this yes. one could have been like a Disney Channel original movie for sure. Yeah. Oh, maybe or, Mary Kate and Ashley or something, or or like on par with Ten Things I Hate About You with the sarcasm and the wit and the banter and, um, mm. you know the I locker, like the locker element of what you just proposed. Like, see, this is why you're a writer, Marissa, is because <laughs> you come up with things like that. I'm like, yeah, I would, I would have like loved that as a reader. <laughs> Definitely helps me think of ways that the books could be better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up this story um, for Elizabeth, because it all closes up at the big surf competition. She's told her friends, um, even Enid, like she hasn't told anybody the truth. She's really had to work hard to convince people to come to a big presentation that she has at the end of her extra credit assignment. Yes, her sea turtles and seaweed presentation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she really, really has to work hard. Todd doesn't even want to come. No. And then Jessica finds out that there's a surf, or Lila finds out that there's a surfing competition beforehand. And Elizabeth takes that and runs with it. She's like, yeah, you guys should go to the surf competition first. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it, then it all plays out just like she wants. You know, they they show up. They're there. She's worried for a split second that Todd's not there, but he is. And they're gonna. They're, they're all have the exact reaction that she wants when they hear Elizabeth's name read, which is like, "Our Elizabeth Wakefield. She would never do anything like surfing. She's never surfed a day in her life." But the Lori McNeil plot. Is, uh, is still outstanding. And they're all going to come together now. We were waiting for when Laurie McNeil's love of, of Sean was going to uh, bring be brought to bear on the plot. I was livid when I tell <laughs> you that I was so mad at Elizabeth Wakefield at the end you of this book. You know what? We were both mad as Elizabeths, right? Yes. Because it's that thing of like, why do you always have to do this? Like, why must you roll over and do be the bigger person when nobody asked you to? Like, yeah. it would have been fine. Sean still would have seen Lori do a great job surfing. She doesn't have to win. You, maybe she would have been a better surfer than you. Did you ever yeah. think of that, Elizabeth? You don't have to self-sacrifice, you crazy wench. I just... Gladiators, are you reading between the lines of what we're saying here? Elizabeth throws the surfing competition so that Lori will do better than her and Sean will, like, see Lori being great. She Be- even tells him she can't ride his board. Yeah. Because, which because is a I good think idea, because that would have been so stupid for her to surf for the first time on a new surfboard in the yeah. competition. But Sean didn't think of that because he's so in love. Uh, the Elizabeth. extra context that I think we might have skipped over is that as she is, like, getting ready for the competition... Elizabeth overhears Lori talk to one of her surfer girlfriends about how nervous she is and how this is like her last chance with Sean and how she really has to beat Elizabeth to catch his eye. And the light bulb finally clicks on for Elizabeth where she's like, oh, they're not together? Because she, based on an earlier conversation with Lori, assumed they were 
because Lori gave like some vague noises about being interested in Sean. Um, and Elizabeth being Elizabeth was like, oh yeah, they're just together. They're fine. Um, so it, it dawns on Elizabeth at the 11th hour that Lori is actually quite interested in Sean and that she's quote unquote, like ruined their, their potential romance. And she feels very guilty. And so she decides at that, at that moment that she doesn't want to, jeopardize that potential happiness she runs to the surf shack to tell sean that she's gonna she would rather surf on her original board she was going to surf on sean's fancy surfboard but realizes how symbolic that is for sean and by extension for Lori, and is like oh shit i can't because then they'll both see it as like a green light yeah. that it's not. And when when she tells Sean that she can't ride on his board, he's like, "Well, part of why I wanted it was it would be special for me to have you do it." And she's like, "Yeah, that's kind of why I can't do it, yeah. <laughs> dude." The irony here, if we're gonna like throw everything else we've said in this episode out the window and take Elizabeth at her word, a big irony here is that one of the reasons why she never bothered to like sternly reject. Sean, or at least not for so long, is that she was under the impression that Sean had a girlfriend in Lori, and so he was just a flirtatious guy, like that's just how he is. Mm -hmm. And so if she had not had the misconception, the misperception that Sean and Lori were an item, she would not have gotten in the way <laughs> as much of Sean and Lori being an item because uh, she would have given him more of a firm rejection and been like, I have a serious boyfriend earlier. Right. And to be fair, I'm not mad at Elizabeth for having these moments of empathy and thinking like, oh, gosh, I accidentally got in the way when I didn't mean to. I'm not mad about that. What I'm mad about is that Elizabeth decides that the only way to fix this is instead of speaking to either party directly, she's like, I'm just going to throw the entire surf competition. And which is fine enough as a plot point, but what really bothers me is she starts this whole frickin' journey because she doesn't want to be boring, right? And then yeah. at the end, everybody is, like, congratulating her for at least joining this surf competition and doing the thing. Like, they're giving her credit for it, but they're like, <laughs> of course Elizabeth Wakefield is going to whiff off her board and wipe out. <laughs> yeah. Good for you for trying. And it's like, no, it's she's secretly, like, an idiot savant about surfing let her be, let her <laughs> yeah. be good. I mean they do they do like I feel like the effect is still essentially there. They were so surprised that she learned how to surf at all. But the other thing that I'm not realizing, I wasn't realizing until we we're having this conversation now, is that she's also being very um like patronizing to Lori because yeah. she is just assuming that Lori couldn't win the competition on her own, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what if you just, like, just, why does Lori have to win for Sean to be impressed with Lori surfing? And and <laughs> Elizabeth is assuming that she's going to win if she surfs her best? It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, I will say, though, oh, go ahead. This is, this, that, that exact description is what gave me such intense Disney Channel original movie vibes is like the only way they'll be together is if somebody <laughs> like she wins the contest. Oh, by the way, it dawned on me that it, that movie I referenced earlier, Rip Girls. That is All the right. name of the movie. That could also be the name of the club of girls that teaches Laurie McNeil how to surf. Yeah. Rip the, girls. the sweet 
bisexual or lesbian surfer girls that I envision in my head. Yes. So here is Elizabeth's infuriating moment of um, just really self-congratulation um, after she's uh, messed up her uh, her surf, her ride by by doing like a pratfall, basically. That's apparently hilarious. Hmm. Mission accomplished, Elizabeth thought as she watched Lori's face light up with a huge smile. The crowd was still cheering for Lori's ride, and just for a second, Elizabeth imagined how impressed all of her friends would have been she had done as well as Lori. But I guess I didn't learn to surf just to prove to my friends I could be adventurous, Elizabeth thought. I did it to prove something to myself. And now that she had proved to herself that she could be as daring as Jessica or anyone else, Elizabeth had to admit she was looking forward to getting back to her old life, even if it was as predictable as everyone said. And more than anything, she was looking forward to getting back to Todd. (laughs) So, yeah, she's like, I didn't do it for them. I did it for me. I needed to prove to myself that I could take a risk. And I hated it. (laughs) I hated it. I took a risk and I don't like it. And but also, you know, I, I really resist this trope that I think happens in a lot of books, even today. I don't think we're rid of this by any means. It happens in movies, too, where this like this weird sense that like, um, when it comes to competition or comparison, there can only be one woman who's good at this thing. There can only yeah, be that's one girl that's good enough. And the rest of us either have to like bow down to that supremacy or like yield to it. Like Elizabeth yields here where it's like, there, there's no room in this surfing competition for two badass surfing women. There can only be one. Well, and as far as we know, there are, are no other competitors i mean surely there are some but basically no one else is mentioned i do want to say one last thing about this competition which is that bill chase who we all know is sweet valley's surfer he comes up to elizabeth and is like why'd you do it liz he can tell by the way that she hopped around on her foot or something that she knew what she was doing and that she blew it on purpose. And that's like a little private moment of pride for Elizabeth, too. Yeah. Which the I real appreci- surfer knows I'm good. I appreciated that he called it out. Like that there was this moment of like, hey. Well, I think, you know, what's interesting to me is because so much of this book is about the drama of lies, right? Or the drama of misunderstandings. Um, right. And for that last little lie of omission to be acknowledged by somebody that's not Elizabeth is I think pretty important because like Sean doesn't understand. Sean doesn't realize that she didn't goof. You know, he just thinks she made an honest mistake. That's true, which is interesting because Sean is supposed to be a great surfer too. Yeah. But guess not not as great as Bill. (laughs) Yeah. No, clearly the boys at Sweet Valley way better than the dude bros at Moon Beach. Yes. Well, we should talk a little bit more about creating a new persona um, in extra drama. But before we go today, maybe you could tease the next book for the listeners. Oh my gosh. Let me let me get this up out of my Kindle library. We have a whole like multi-page lead up to this, but there is almost nothing in the book that like plants the seed of this next book. Um, Usually there's like a running thread leading up to the big reveal, like 
seeds will be planted throughout the chapters. In this case, the only seed that's planted is that Caroline Pierce tells Elizabeth and Enid at some point that there's a new employee at the Unique Boutique who looks a lot like somebody we all know. But that's all she says. I thought it was going to be Jessica. (laughs) That's what I thought was going to happen. Because Jessica looks just like Elizabeth. That's what I thought she was getting at. So, like... The tee off to this team ruined me. Like I was, I was just like, oh, "Excuse me," because uh, Steve and I can Steven uh, for reals this time. Steven. The real, the, for reals, yeah, for reals. Um, and and um, and Elizabeth go into Unique Boutique, uh, and there is a sales girl that looks just like um, Stevens ex-girlfriend who is deceased his steven's deceased girlfriend ex by way of dying by way of dying via leukemia yes uh but i was just like what 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 doppelganger nonsense is this but to your point i will go ahead and read the um the stinger uh so this girl's name is andrea yes so um steven basically canceled (laughs) On his new boo thing, Kara, to call up the store and ask Andrea in the very last pages if if she would consider going out with Steven tomorrow night. So that's where we're that's where we're left. And then it says, what's going to happen between Kara and Steven now that Andrea is around? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 64, the ghost of Trisha Martin. Wow. Things are about to get weird. Also, I love that her name is Trisha Martin because that immediately makes me think of Donna Martin from 90210, Beverly Hills 90210. And Andrea, Andrea, Andrea. also a character from 90210. Yeah. Somebody was clearly watching their soaps. <laughs> I think the Aaron Spelling might have been watching Sweet Valley. <laughs> watching the books, I mean. The series didn't exist yet. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much. This has been such a treat to have this conversation with you and all of your... Uh, great perspective that you bring to bear. Um, where can people find cool stuff that you're doing? There is m- so much more stuff than even the last time you came on. Oh, yeah. Well, think first of all, thank you for having me. This is like always a true delight being able to talk. And thank you all for letting me um, go off the rails and bring BDSM into Sweet Valley. Uh, They're but- thrilled. They love it. it. Yeah. You love it, gladiators. <laughs> you know you do. Uh, but if you are uh, interested in watching me uh, flail about about books on a regular basis, uh, I since I was last on the show, uh, I started a small YouTube channel called The Lit Review, uh, and I try to post a couple times a week about various bookish topics. I have a um, like TBR game where I pick the books I'm trying to read in a month based on Candyland, but I've kind of like let that thing grow uh, in a lot of different ways since then. I talk a lot about romance novels. Romance novels are my jam. Um, And do a lot of like book unboxings because I love bookish mail. Uh, And you can also find me uh, on my various handles. It's always at Caitlin E. McCann. Uh, Basically like Instagram. I just started a TikTok just as an experiment to see whether or not I could use it up uh and uh we'll see we'll see what happens there but if you'd like to follow me i would be happy to see anybody there and if not you know no pressure it's cool i can handle it it's gonna be your jam gladiators (laughs) 
And of course, you can find Sweet Valley Diaries um, on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries or on Twitter at Sweet Valley. There is also TikTok sometimes at Flaxbart. That's my name. Uh, remember that you can write me an email, sweetvalleydiaries at me.com. And the best thing that you could do is to just tell a friend uh, through your voice and, you know, real IRL channels or however you like to social media eyes <laughs> about Sweet Valley Diaries. That would be great. Uh, good recommendation from a friend is always helpful. Uh, and until next time, remember, uh, try new things, but don't be afraid to tell your friends about it. It doesn't have to be a surprise. Yeah. There's a difference between tragic secret and surprise. Go for secret or like, you know, surprise, not tragic secret. <laughs> it's good advice. It's good advice. Bye. I love a bookish male too.